0: If you got a Bible, turn to Colossians 2. It's Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, the Greek city of Colossae. Um, fun fact about me, I've only broken one bone ever. I broke it twice. That's my right collarbone. Uh, I'm scared to death to break a bone. Uh, how many of you have ever broken a bone before? Okay, wow. I actually am surprised. It's less than Mark, you've never broken a bone. Wow, Junior, you've never broken one, man. Okay, uh, I'm scared to death to break a bone. Uh, I'm scared to break a finger. I don't want to break a finger. I've seen people whose like fingers are like, you know, Nick, you've done that crazy finger break. Uh, yeah, you can keep that. Put that up. Uh, I'm scared to break an arm. I don't want like I don't want an arm break. i am, I think I'm most scared uh, to break a leg. Uh, Last year, I was walking through Charlestown up Green Street. I believe I was with Will, if my memory is serving me correctly. And one Ari had fallen uh, off a skateboard, if I remember right, and was laying there and had a broken ankle. And at first I'm like... Uh, she's just being kind of dramatic. Like, Hope's running around like a crazy person trying to find rescue. And it uh, turns out she had fallen and broken her ankle right there on Green Street. And I'm, like, trying to, like, hold it together and be tough and not break down like a little girl watching her, like, r- like really struggling in pain there on the sidewalk on Green, on Green Street. The gospel the gospel, and by the gospel, I don't mean a sermon, and by the gospel, I don't even mean like the specific gospels of Matthew, Luke, and John. I mean the gospel like we just sang about, like the story that God made everything, and people broke it, and God had a plan. He sent his son Jesus to die, and we can be restored to relationship with God. The gospel says that we're born with a broken leg. That's the gospel, that we are literally born with a broken leg, like, and, and, we're, and we're born with that problem because our parents had that same problem. Like, how many of you, uh, we joke in our house, like, about who, which of our sons has uh, my toes, and which one has Natalie's toes, and which one has my, this, and like, Owen has Natalie's blue eyes, and we joke about that. How many of you picked up kind of a, well, we can call it a quirk? Of your parents, but probably the better way would be like, how many of you picked up kind of a sin tendency of your parents that you didn't choose, but you kind of inherited it? Yeah, yeah, Uh, definitely. The idea of that is that we're kind of born spiritually broken, like we're born almost like with a broken leg spiritually, and that causes pain, and it causes a limp, and it prevents us from walking with God as God intended. And that's our first and biggest human problem. We're born with a break that we want to hide, but causes us to limp and keeps us from walking with God as God intended. Here becomes our next problem, is um, what I would call religion. And in religion, I don't mean like necessarily what's happening here. I mean when we jump through some type of hoop to try to please God or make God happy. Like if I do this, then God is going to be happy with me. And so I've got to do a lot of those things, and I'm not even sure if I've ever done enough of those things, right? Like the Bible, Jesus kind of criticized that. He often called that like an empty religion. That would be like taking that break, our first problem, and then setting it improperly. When you broke your finger, was it set improperly? Like why is it still funky? uh never mind. I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> That's what happens when you share a story without asking uh, during the week. What, like so, religion? What religion does is it takes the break on our leg and then it sets it improperly. And religion causes us to learn to walk despite the limp. And religion teaches us techniques to try to hide the break, but it still prevents us from walking with God as God intended. Now, again, I don't mean relationship with God. What I'm talking about is when people are trying to do things that by doing them, then God would be happy with us. That's our second problem. So we're born with a broken leg, and now we've created a thing that caused it to set improperly, and we're trying to hide it, and that second problem teaches us to try to mask the first problem. A new problem in our culture is the third break, Uh, And this would be what I would call like the break of, and this may even be slightly offensive to some of us today, the break of our American spirituality. And our American spirituality takes the second break and, um, and it sets it again improperly. But then it denies it, and it declares, it tells you to declare that you're stronger than you think you are. It tells you to heal your, to will yourself into a healing, but it still prevents you walking. We've got a spirituality in our culture, but it's a lot like going to the grocery store. Like I take the grocery cart, um, the car- is it carriage, is that, or is it buggy here? I can't remember in New England. It's different than what I grew up with, and I never get it right. It, it's like taking the carriage, our American spirit, spirituality and we throw in some like I'm awesome and we throw in some God loves me just like I am but he lets me stay there and we throw in a little bit of like eastern mysticism and then we throw in some this and we throw in some that and we get to the we get to the counter and we found we we found that we've created a God who kind of does all the stuff we like and never really pushes back on what we don't like and that becomes the third break that's, that one tries to keep you in denial, but it still prevents the walking with God as God intended. But it sounds awesome. It sounds awesome. And it's culturally like the way to do it. And yet we've got a thrice broken leg, twice misset. And here comes the gospel. The gospel does not deny our brokenness. The gospel actually declares our brokenness. It exposes the limp. It acknowledges the pain. It declares our weakness. It 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 looks square in the face of our inability to heal ourselves. And then, and this is the painful part. And, and American spirituality and religion will not tell you this. What the gospel does, is it breaks your leg like it's never been broken before. It breaks your leg like it has never been broken before. It's the worst pain yet. But you know what the gospel does? The gospel takes our thrice broken leg and for the first time it sets it properly. The gospel takes our broken leg and our limp and our desire to hide and our desire to try to walk right and it sets it properly as God originally intended. And with that, let's read Colossians 2, 6 through 15 today if we can. I'm reading from the ESV Bible, and let me tell you, if you're watching my Facebook Live and you want to comment in, I would love for you to comment in. If you are sitting here and you can multitask, if you want to be on the Facebook chat, I think that's awesome. I know people on Facebook Live love hearing from you, and I know it helps you pay attention to be talking with them, and I think it's awesome. All right, Colossians 2, verses 6 through 15. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. This, to me, would be that idea of religion and American spirituality. Don't get taken captive by that. Don't get taken captive by that. Number Verse 9, For in Christ in him... The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. If you know what that word means, yep, it's that same word. We'll get to that in a minute. By putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Christ from the dead. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us in its legal demands. We owe God a moral debt that we couldn't pay, and he canceled the debt by putting it off on Jesus. The end of verse 14, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing Over them in Him. That's the gospel. Let me go through kind of verse by verse and and make sure that we understand because uh, in this room, people have kind of come all, like from all along the spectrum on what this is and what this does and what this is, the Bible, and what it does, and what this is, the church, and what it can accomplish. And it really all comes down to the gospel. And I want to make sure we talk about that for just a moment this morning. In verses 6 and 7, Paul says, You received Christ. Walk in Him. This is the idea of the healed leg. Has anybody in here ever broken a leg? Like the old school cast, like plaster cast, plaster cast? Man, what was it like when you took that thing off for the first time? It was all smelly under there. And Carson had some Cheetos in his, like some m ms he had dropped. Like, was it tough taking those first steps? It was skinny leg. leg. Paul says, look, for those who've had a thrice broken leg and the gospel has broken it and said it properly, now begin to walk in him, established in him. That's relationship. I said a moment ago that religion breaks the leg. What God is offering human beings is not religion. What God is offering us is relationship with God in Christ. Every time I hang out with Howard, and Nicole, by the way, both of you say it. You're like, you know, it was like the first time in my life I heard that I can have a relationship with God. And it was like the light bulb went off. We can have relationship, and we walk with Christ in relationship. Paul says, being rooted in Him... That, that Greek word there means like Paul saying, being rooted in Christ, having been rooted in Christ, and knowing that you will forever be rooted in Christ. It's passive. Christ rooted you in himself. Christ is the soil. The gospel is the idea that we are planted as a seed in Christ, and we are rooted down into him. We don't even do it. When he says being built up, that verb is present, and it's passive, and it's plural. In other words, he says, all of you guys Continue being built up in Christ together. He's doing it for you. Let him keep doing it. And then being established in the faith. Same verb tense. Continue being established in the faith. That's why church is so important. That's why the, the, the ordinances or the sacraments are so important that we see them. They don't make us holy. They remind us that we've been rooted in Christ and are being established and built up in him. Verse 8 says, no more religion, no more spirituality, only relationship. See to it that nobody takes you captive by some human philosophy. And verse 9 is so good. I want to read it to you in uh, verses 9 and 10 in the message translation. It's by a guy named Eugene Peterson who passed away a couple of years ago. I'd love to read to you this verse where he says, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Like if you want to know what God is like, look at Christ. If you want to know how God treated outsiders and marginalized people, look at Christ. If you want to know how God relates to empty, hollow religion that puts weight on people's backs but doesn't help lift it all, look at Christ. If you want to know how God looks at impossible situations, look at Christ. This is how uh, Peterson uh, translates 9 and 10. He says, that's not the way of Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in him so you can see and hear him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. That's the gospel. Everything we need to know or experience of God, we find in Christ. Look at Jesus, verse 11 goes on, and this is where we get to that circumcision verse. Now, in the Old Testament, which are the Jewish scriptures, um, which were written from like 1500 B.C. to around 500 B.C., they were the, they were the scriptures of Jesus' ancestors that were meant to point Jesus' ancestors and all of humanity toward God and toward a Savior who was coming. And, um, and so one who believed in Jesus' um, ethnic family, one who came to believe uh, in God that they could be saved by faith, there was an external sign that they got, and it was circumcision. And all the men would get it. Like, even if you came to faith, if you were from a different country and you said, oh, I want to follow the God who saves by faith, not the, not the sun God of Egypt or not the moon God of Assyria or not this God or that God. I want to follow the Lord. If you were a man, you would be circumcised and you would have your family circumcised. It was an outward symbol. It didn't change the heart. When someone got circumcised... Out of Jesus' sort of ethnic roots, when they were circumcised, it was their declaration that they believed. It did not save them. It was just an outward symbol of something that God was doing in their heart. It didn't change them. Verses 12 and 15, Paul begins to compare, and he says, In the New Testament, in the light of the gospel, in the wake of Jesus, the symbol is now baptism. Can I tell you uh, two reasons why? I can tell you a lot of reasons why. Circumcision kind of just applies to males, right? Right? Uh, if you're a kid and you don't know what circumcision is, like, don't ask your parents. They're not going to tell you. Like, find a weird uncle and maybe he'll explain to you. Like, you know, we all like we all grew up with that kind of oddball uncle who would try to get us in trouble. Um, another reason is because it um, it's obviously less painful. But the biggest reason I think that God created the new the new covenant symbol of baptism is because it pictures a burial. And a death. A circumcision says something got cut away from me. This that you're going to see in a few moments says this person died. And they've been made alive in Christ. They were born dead. And they have now been made alive in Christ. With Jesus in the gospels. This is the symbol in the New Testament. Baptism is the outward symbol. The burial of the old woman or the old man. And being raised to new life with God in Christ signifying heart change. When we go see our family in the South, uh, as we begin to come up the New Jersey Turnpike, and we can, we're getting where we can kind of see Manhattan to the right, we see our first sign for Boston. Have you ever noticed that? Like, yeah, I love it. Oh, uh, man. I, like, having driven from Georgia to that point, usually in one day, when I see that sign for Boston, I don't know if you heard Barb just now, Barb goes, oh, yeah, that's what it feels like. I'm like, oh, there it is. So I'm flying by Manhattan here and I see the sign. The sign is not the destination. The sign is not the thing. The sign tells me that the thing is ahead. Baptism is not the thing. Baptism is the sign of the thing that God has already done in our hearts. It's not the thing. It's the sign of the thing of what God is doing. And the word baptism And we were talking with our Catholic neighbor the other night because she's recently had a a little baby. I I hope she's watching this later. I'm going to encourage her to watch it. Uh, And her family has really pressured her to baptize their newborn. And she's like, I just don't know if I believe that. And I was like, well, if you really want to mess with your parents' minds, give them a quick Greek lesson. The Greek word for baptism is just dunking. Like, literally, John the Baptist, his name just meant Duncan John. For all the Dunkin' Donuts fans in here this morning, like, he was the original dunker. Like, he, he, he was dunking all the time. Like, and so baptism just means dunking. It means immersing. Why did we get this word baptism? Because King James, who hired out a bunch of scholars to translate the Bible into working man's English 400 years ago, hadn't been dunked. He had been sprinkled. And those scholars, knowing that to criticize the king's baptism would be endangering to their life, rather than say, you should be dunked or you should be immersed, you know what they said, you should be, the Greek word is baptizo. They said, you should be baptisto. Save their heads. When the Bible says baptize, it always means put under and brought out. And just so you know, it's not just some Christian term that Christians made up. That word means brought under the water and pulled out every time you see it in ancient Greek. That word was just a word that was created so that scholars wouldn't lose their lives or be thrown into jail. When the Bible calls us in verse 12 to be baptized, it's saying, man, we're supposed to go under the water and be dunked. And Now, let's say what baptism's not. Baptism is not saving. Whether someone's baptized in the Catholic Church or baptized in Christ church or baptized anywhere, it doesn't save them. It's a sign. It's not the destination. Baptism doesn't save infants and it doesn't save adults. Also, baptism is not cleansing. A couple people are going to be dunked here in a few minutes. It's not going to take Drew and like, we're not going to take a bad person and put him under and then pull a good person out of the water. We're also not going to take a dirty person and, and then put him under the water, and he's going to come out a clean person. That's not what baptism is. What it, it's also not rescuing. When I got when I got dunked, I thought I'd want to quit, like beating up my brother. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Like I remember getting baptized at our church on a Sunday night, and um, and then that next Monday, my babysitter, her name was Paige Phillips. Um, I remember her like. Pushing and picking at me, and I was like furious with her. And I was like, I don't know if you know it, I got baptized yesterday. Didn't face her at all. She wasn't a Christian. She didn't care. Didn't face her at all. It didn't like I was still ang- I was angry with her on that Monday as I was with her on Friday. Um, baptism is not rescuing in the sense that it won't. This is this water is not going to deliver a person from temptations, problems, sickness. Consequences, doubts, or struggles. It's not for moral angels, and it will not make you one. Drew's a great guy because Christ is in his life. He's not going to be a greater guy because he gets dunked today. It's just not how it works, and it's not how God intended for it to work. It's for those who God has saved and declared saints in Christ through relationship with him by faith. Here's the thing the gospel is the healing. The gospel is the healing. In the thrice broken leg, the gospel is the healing. It's the only healing we have and God is the healer. And it starts when we turn to God and turning from ourselves and trusting him and, uh, and letting him initiate a relationship with us. It's surrender. The gospel is surrender. It's death. That's why I said the breaking leg is the most painful because it's death. Like, I wish I could be like, you know what? Becoming a Christian is awesome. Become a Christian, you're going to have more money in your bank. You're not going to have any problems. You're never going to get cancer. Your family's going to live to 150. I and mean, then you're all just going to spontaneously get beamed up out of here. No problems, no temptations, whatever. I would be completely lying to you. And there are millions of pastors on planet Earth right now lying to people Sunday after Sunday, telling them that if they become Christians, it makes all their problems go away. The gospel is the breaking of the leg and that moment of total surrender, God beginning to put it right. It's relationship. And here's what baptism is. Baptism is the declaration, I have been healed. Baptism is not the healing. The gospel is the healing. Baptism is the declaration, I've been healed. And here's the other thing I need to tell you. Baptism is the first step of obedience. Dunking is the first step of obedience. Ba- God is the saver. The gospel is the healing. Baptism is our declaration, I've been healed. And it's our first step of obedience. I've got a quote I'd, I'd like to share. Can we get that up, the stock quote? Do we have it? Oh, man, you almost made me hold my breath because I didn't put it here. So I think you might have it. Let me see if you can get to it here in just a moment. Just yell at me when you get it. I'm going to keep moving forward. Baptism is proof of our commitment to God. Baptism is proof of our commitment to God. We celebrate, like in a moment, we're going to celebrate commitment to Christ, and we're going to remember ours. Renee, when people get baptized, does it cause you to remember the day you got baptized? Yeah. Carson, when, like when you, last year, Carson baptized his son Barrett. When you were baptized in Barrett, were you more just trying not to like hold him over under too long? Or were you also remembering yours? What was like, it's a little bit of both, isn't it? It's a little bit of both. Every time we do baptism, I remember when I was dunked. I remember it distinctly. Oh, you're amazing. Thank you. Uh, R.C. Sproul has said this. He said uh, in this book called What is Baptism? Really short book. It's free in iBooks, I believe. He says, in the previous chapter, I asserted that baptism is not necessary for salvation. Baptism is not necessary for salvation. Repeat that with me. Baptism is not necessary for salvation. Okay? If you leave here with nothing else, do not leave saying, you know, I'm kind of confused. If JD said that baptism is, not necessary, is necessary for salvation, it's not. Baptism is not necessary for salvation. However, if you were to ask me, is baptism necessary for a Christian? I would say, Absolutely. It's not necessary for salvation, but it is necessary for obedience. Because Christ, with no ambiguity, commanded that all those who belong to him, who are part of the new covenant family, and who receive the benefits of his salvation, are to be baptized in the Trinitarian formula. In other words, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Is it necessary for salvation? Oh, wow, good. Um, It's not necessary for salvation. Is it necessary for obedience? Yes, yes. Um, and that's why, so uh, I'm not going to get off on that. Baptism is our proof, uh, is proof of our commitment to God, but even more, and this is the best part of this message, baptism is proof of God's commitment to us. Baptism is proof of God's commitment to us. He did the hard work. He did the impossible work. Baptism, baptism is a funeral, On my own, I screwed this up so much that let's just bury the old guy. The gospel is I can't raise the dead, but Jesus can and Jesus has. And so we come immediately up out of the water as a declaration that as much as baptism is proof of my commitment to Christ, it is even more a picture of Christ's commitment to me. That he loves me and did not count his own life as worth hanging on to so that he can have relationship with us. It's death to the old and then life and new. So if you have received Christ, I would encourage you, if you've never been dunked, I think you need to do it. Now, you don't have to do it today. We're ready if you want to. We we actually have extra towels, extra shirts, and we can go from kids medium to all the way up to adult extra large. And you say, Oh, but what kind of pants would I wear? We got pants and shorts for you, too. <laughs> I don't think anybody in here is small enough or large enough that I'm not ready for you today. Like, we're ready if you say, You know what, I'm gonna obey today. Um, if you've been dunked, continue to walk in obedience. You need to walk in obedience. You need to walk being rooted and established in faith. You're walking in obedience. If you've never received Christ, look, this is not the healing. And prayer is not the healing. And giving money is not the healing. And helping old ladies across the street is not the healing. And going to church is not the healing. The healing is the gospel. It's the only thing that takes the thrice broken leg and can heal it. And I want to encourage you today to turn from your your self-rule and receive Christ. And so, whether you have been, uh, whether you need to give your life to Christ today, here in the room or on Facebook Live, or you need to be baptized today, or you need to continue to walk in obedience today with healed legs, I want to tell you the one thing that is not on the table for us as God's people is to stop. To be alive is to change. There's no neutral. There's no neutral. We can't stay in neutral. There's no neutral in our faith. If you, um, if you can make a biblical case that there's neutral, I would love to see it. I've never, I've yet to find it. We are only moving forward with Christ. We're stagnating, and He keeps moving forward, because His goal for our life is that we go deeper, and it gets sweeter. As we celebrate who He is and what He has done in our life, and so as we walk, and this is this is where we'll close. After after Carson cut the cast off, and he had one skinny leg and one regular leg, right? Man, every that, those first steps are scary, and you probably feel a bit like a like a. A baby deer. We found this video this week of this baby giraffe literally being born. And it's like, I mean, it looks like it's on ice skates, right? And it's doing this, right? And this is discipleship. And at first, it feels like we don't know what in the world we're doing. But in that, it was a gif, right? Like in it, um, that giraffe, as it takes step, wobbly step, wobbly step, wobbly step, it pops up. And you know what it pops up into? It pops up into the, like the nuzzle of the mom, That giraffe is learning to step up into the nuzzle, the the snuggle of the mom. And Christ is inviting us into intimacy. And every step on the healed leg is a movement up into his embrace and pleasure and intimacy with him. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for these friends. Um, I thank you that the thing that unites us is we all have... A broken leg. And uh, at our point of pain, for a lot of us, we tried to mask it by maybe taking on religion or maybe taking on sort of this American grocery store spirituality, and it didn't heal us. And so, Lord, I thank you for the plan of the gospel put in place before the foundation of the world that we can have healing and relationship with you in Christ. I thank you for Drew and Teresa their willingness to go public with that decision. I know it's not something that either of them came to lightly. I pray that it would inspire the bold move of many of us. It's the most humbling thing a person in our church and probably in our community and maybe in our region will do. But God, it's also, um, I I think, the most powerful. And it, it bears a strong witness both to us in this room who've given our life to Christ and been baptized because it reminds us of that day and to our family and friends and community that we're not playing around. We're here to follow you because we need a Savior and a Master and a Lord. So God, however people are responding, maybe, they're, maybe some are going to turn from their sin and, and trust in you today and just say, Jesus, I, I know I need you. And I thank you that you had a plan for that and you died for me on the cross. And, and right now I'm turning from sin and self-rule, and I'm surrendering my life, my whole life, and nothing but my life to, to you. God, I thank you for the truth of the gospel that, that that plea for help is enough of a confession to save us. God, for others, and I know there are folks in this room who maybe grew up in a tradition where they were uh, sprinkled as kids. Uh, and Lord, it'll be a big declaration for some of them to get dunked today or in the days ahead. Uh, but God, I pray you would give them courage to do it. It's not necessary for salvation. It is actually necessary for their obedience. And, and God, I know you want their full obedience. I do too. Uh, Lord, for uh, those who have are part of your family and they've been dunked, I pray that they would continue to walk in, uh, rooted and in relationship and established in Christ and in one another. Oh, how we need each other. So we're excited to watch what you're about to do. In Jesus' name. Amen.